Fans and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How is it going, everybody? It is Wednesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Wednesday means the guys are back at practice, and that means we've got media from coach and some players as well. Plus, we'll dive into the tape on DeAndre Washington, the trade details there, and the details of the Isaiah Ford trade. And we're going to spend some time talking about the Dolphins special teams unit today with Mac Hollins. All of that and more on this Wednesday, November the 4th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And support for Drive Time comes from AutoNation where Dolphins fans drive pink and helped raise over $25 million for cancer treatment and research. AutoNation, where every vehicle sold and service is sanitized. Keep driving safe at AutoNation.com. We're going to get into Brian Flores' media from Wednesday morning here in just one second, but first some housekeeping. The Dolphins traded Isaiah Ford to the New England Patriots for a 2022 draft pick. Ford played in 16 games in his Dolphins career, catching 41 passes for 428 yards. He had one carry for 11 yards. He was a seventh-round draft pick, number 237 overall in that 2017 draft class. And Isaiah Ford, let's go ahead and hear what Coach Flores had to say on Wednesday morning about Isaiah Ford. Look, I have a lot of respect and admiration for Isaiah Ford. I think he's, you know, a kid who worked extremely hard, made a lot of plays for us, his work ethic and team-oriented, put the team first, just great attitude. I mean, he was just really enjoyed working with him. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we felt like, you know, the best thing for, for us was to, to, to make, make that you know, particular trade. So Isaiah Ford traded here in his fourth season. The Dolphins, like Coach Flores says, that trade was in the best interest of the Dolphins, as is going to be the case with any trade they make or any roster move they make throughout the course of, of time, really. And the other trade they made on Tuesday was the trade for DeAndre Washington. The Dolphins pick up the former Kansas City Chiefs running back for a swap of conditional draft picks. And I always start to, I like to start with the workout metrics of a player when I want to go back and kind of look at what I what I thought of them previously or what I do think of them now as far as their on-field production, because I think that gives you a good clue into what type of player you're dealing with from a movement, from a pliability, explosive standpoint. And you look at Washington's combine metrics back when he was draft eligible, a 4.49 40-yard dash, a 34.5-inch vertical, 9.08 on the broad jump, a 4.2 shuttle, and a 7.03 cone time. All of those, except for the broad jump measurement, measure out in the elite category on the RAS, the Relative Athletic Scorecard, which measures a collective score of every combine workout dating back to 1999 by Kent Lee Platt. And he scored a 7.62, Washington did, out of 10. And that ranks 291 out of 1,218 running backs that Mr. Platt has scored. So he's up there in the upper echelon. Then you pair that with the offense that he came from. He played in that wide open, throw the football 733 times per game there at Texas Tech, along with Jakeem Grant. He caught the football a lot. He had 124 catches for 1,091 yards, and you see that in a variety of ways, whether it's the Texas route, which can be called Texas or angle or arrow, where you basically widen the linebacker from the backfield and cross face. It's a, it's a to the right and then back to the left or to the left and back to the right. You want to cross that linebacker's face. 
swing routes, wheel routes, the whole running back route tree gamut. He ran it. Nice rhyme. Nice rhyme. And you jump to his NFL career, and he's caught 83.2% of his targets for an average of 5.74 yards per target. I pulled up his reception reel from last season in Oakland, where he caught 36 out of 41 passes there and gained 292 yards on those receptions. So that's a nice bump from his career yards per target up to 7.12. And early, you noticed he's often used to stay in and chip and then release out into the route. So he's in that third down mold where you can keep him in and trust him to pick up the additional pressure or get that chip on a defensive end like you see with some of the monsters the Raiders face in that division, like a Joey Bosa, for instance, when watching him up against the Chargers. And in his career, Pro Football Focus has him in pass protection for 74 snaps. He's allowed one hit and one hurry. That's it. No sacks, just two pressures allowed. He's also shifty enough to make a man miss in space. They'd get him the ball on those screens and swings out on the edge where he gets squared up with one defender in space, and he does have some wiggle out there. Pro Football Focus had him last year with 17 forced missed tackles on 108 carries, and 291 of his 387 rushing yards came after initial contact. That's good for a 2.69 average yards after contact. That would lead this Dolphins team currently, and just a smidge under his career average of 2.72 yards after initial contact. And you see that a lot. In the passing game as well, again, back to the swings and screens where he gets out on the perimeter and makes that first guy miss. He also has played 381 special teams reps in his career too, which is obviously something you want from a back that's on the roster to give you added depth. As Coach Flores says here was part of the purpose of the trade. Here's Coach on Gaskin in the running back room after the Washington trade. Okay, Miles. Yeah, Miles is dinged up a little bit. Um, We'll see. He's a tough kid. He's a competitive kid. And we'll see where this goes here. So, um, but we felt like we wanted to add some depth there at the running back position. So, DeAndre's a good player. An opportunity to get one and try to take advantage of it. Up next, we'll kind of hear a bit of a fun, lighthearted moment here from Coach Flores, but also serious as well, as he was asked about the pass receiving prowess of defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. It's going to be a hard no, hard no on the, uh, you know. Pass catching opportunities, hard, hard no. I mean, we've got other guys we would like to rather see with the ball than Christian. He's, yes, he's got some athleticism as a defensive tackle. And uh, we try to use him in a variety of ways, you know, stunts, uh, games in the pass rush. Um, but he does a good job, really, really in all areas. Uh, and he's, he's, he's somebody who's improved, I would say, from year one to year two. And, it's important to him, and he's got leadership and energy, and you know, he's been he's been fun to coach. And, but I don't really see a pass catching future for him. On the topic of pass catching futures for Christian Wilkins, who did catch a touchdown pass last year, obviously had the snap at fullback this past Sunday, where he helped clear a lane for a Miles Gaskin touchdown run. You hear Coach Flores talk about the athletic ability and how it creates opportunities for him and stunts and games up front, kind of twisting and working down the line of scrimmage to help create opportunities for other guys in the game. Christian Wilkins been a very good player here for two years here with the Dolphins. Speaking of pass catchers and speed on offense, Coach Flores was asked how speed can affect a defense and how important it is to have it on the offense with guys like Antonio Callaway, for instance, coming back off the suspension list, or a Malcolm Perry, Lynn Bowden getting more active playing time as they have in recent weeks here for the Dolphins. Here's Coach Flores on speed on the offense. Speed's hard to deal with defensively um, and in the kicking game. So anytime you're going to add 
you know, that element, you know, forces defenses to deal with that. The worst thing that can happen is, you know, you allow that speed to, um, you know, create a big play uh, defensively. Obviously, offensively, you want to create big plays. You could use that type of speed to your advantage. So we've got some guys um, who can run. But, again, there's a lot more that goes into, you know, playing a receiver position than, than just speed, um, you know, blocking, route route running, catching the football, you know, and then getting open. Because um, there's a lot of fast de- defensive backs as well, so. Up next, Coach was asked about the defensive structure or the exotic blitz looks of Vance Joseph and the Arizona Cardinals. You'll come to find out on the preview podcast tomorrow, this Cardinals defense blitzes at one of the highest frequencies in the NFL. We're going to talk about how you can mitigate that and work around that. Here's Coach Flores on the blitzing game of the Cardinals defense. Yeah, I mean, Vance, does a, he does a very nice job over there. Um, Cliff does it. I mean, they got, they got good coaches over there. Uh, they, they do a good job really offensively, defensively, and in a kicking game. It's a good team, and just kind of watching the film and watching what they do defensively. Yeah, there, there's a lot of looks. So, and I'm sure, I'm sure he's over there cooking something up that we haven't already seen on film as well. So, I think you know, at the end of the day, with the exotics, it's about following your rules um, and playing with good technique and fundamentals. Because oftentimes, well, it looks like it's a game plan to game plan rush, a game plan scheme, and uh, he does a good job. From that standpoint, a really, a really nice job. Create some confusion. We're gonna have to do a good job of, uh, like I said, following our rules, reading our keys. Really, they do that in really all three phases: um, offense, defense, and special teams. So, go ahead and finish up with Coach Flores here on a Wednesday morning with a good segue into our next segment, talking about special teams. Coach was asked about Jakeem Grant, the electric returnability of Jakeem, and what it means to be able to flip the field on special teams with his return unit, not just with Jakeem, but the guys that contribute, the other 10 guys on the field as well. We talk about field position, uh, you know, really on a weekly basis, how important, important that is. Um, I think Jakeem's done a really, uh, uh, he's worked extremely hard, just um, really in all areas of his game, um, as a receiver, as a returner. You can kind of see you know, some of that starting to manifest itself on the field. Um, look, we all know he's an explosive player. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the way he's worked and, and kind of seeing some of that. But we need to continue. And I think he knows that. He's, he's, he's in here continuing to work and, you know, watching the film on the punters and the kickers and their walk-offs and, you know, any kind of tell he can, he can get um, so he can get a better read on the ball and give him, put himself in you know, position to, to get himself going. I think our team, uh, especially in the kicking unit, you know, let's call it the return units, they understand that um, if we block, if we, you know, finish, you know, if we finish our blocks, you know, we got a chance uh, to, to to create big plays. And, uh, you know, that's always good. So he's done. A, he's done. A, he's done a nice job. I'm happy he won that award. I know his focus is on on in Arizona. That award, of course, being Special Teams Player of the Week going to Dolphins receiver slash return man Jakeem Grant. So congratulations, Jakeem, for winning that award. And on the topic of special teams, that's going to be our Wednesday feature here on the Drive Time Podcast, as well as an article up on MiamiDolphins.com taking a look at the impact this Dolphins special teams unit has had under Coach Flores and on this team this season. And you start here by this quote that Coach said a while back, quote, 
I started in the kicking game. That's where I got my coaching break. I know and understand how important those guys in those positions are, whether it's kicker, punter, long snapper, returners, ball security, and things of that nature. And you'd be hard-pressed to go a week or so without hearing Coach Flores speak about the importance of the kicking game, and it really shows. Nobody in the NFL right now has more punt return yards than Jakeem Grant's 227. Jason Sanders is the only kicker with 10 made field goals who hasn't missed one. He's 15 of 15, also has not missed a point after try. And Matt Hawk is ninth in punting average, net punting average, at 42.3 yards. And fourth with 15 punts downed inside the 20-yard line. Last month, Jason Sanders took home AFC Special Teams Player of the Month. Jakeem Grant wins it this week after breaking a franchise record 88-yard punt return and resetting his own record with his fifth return touchdown in the storied history of these Miami Dolphins. And you think back to how some of these players were acquired, guys that were brought here to really help not just on offense and defense, but to round out the special teams units. A guy like Clayton Fedulum signed in the offseason. A guy like Kamu Grugier-Hill, who plays some reps on defense, but has been crucial, as Danny Crossman will tell us, on special teams as well. A guy like Blake Ferguson, drafted in the sixth round to be a long snapper. The operation has been crisp this year. No bad snaps or, or failed exchanges between he and Matt Hawk as a punter and as a holder. We saw Mac Hollins acquired in season last year, and we heard Danny Crossman talk about his strength as a gunner, crediting both he and Jamal Perry as really being guys that kind of set the table as those gunners, saying that you cannot have a good special teams unit without having your gunners down the field. If your gunners are not downfield disrupting things at minimum, you're going to have a hard time, Coach says. So, Plenty of factors going into why this special teams unit right now is playing so well. And the Dolphins on Football Outsiders DVOA, a metric we've talked about a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. It's defensive adjusted value over metric. Essentially what they're trying to do with that metric is remove outside factors in DVOA. And using their percentage points, the Dolphins are at a 10.5% DVOA on special teams. That trails only Baltimore, who's at 12.3%. Third place is Seattle at 6.1%. So Miami is 4.4 points higher than third place and almost double them. In fact, the Dolphins are double the fifth highest ranked special teams unit in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints at 4.7%. So not only is Miami atop the class with Baltimore up there, they're well ahead of the rest of the group in terms of special teams DVOA. And we mentioned Mac Holland's work as a gunner on the punt team and being one of those core special teamers, along with so many other players on this roster that have helped contribute in that third phase of the game. On Tuesday, I had a chance to ask Coach Grizzard about Mac Hollins and the impact he has as a worker in the receiver room, but also on special teams. Yeah, he, he works incredibly hard in terms of being in the meeting room. He's also really good for some of these younger guys because he's been around and he really uh, he, he grinds for everything that he gets, and, and that came through special teams even from the time that he was at Carolina. So to see that and show that you can carve out a role and get you on the field and make plays on special teams and come in and do things we ask him to do um, on offense as well, uh, I think it's a great uh, example for everybody really to see in the room. And he, he just brings juice every day. It's a great personality and a um, great teammate. Speaking of that juice, I saw Mac do a back handspring, like misty twist spin move after the team got done stretching on practice on Wednesday. So talking about bringing that juice, 
You also heard Coach reference his time at North Carolina, and he was a fourth-round draft pick of the Eagles out of UNC. And I recall back to that draft year when Daniel Jeremiah of the of the Move the Sticks podcast and NFL Network and NFL Media said that he doesn't think that there's a better gunner, a better punt coverage guy, a day-one core special teamer in this draft than Mac Hollins. And I think you're kind of seeing that here with Hollins in Miami. And with that, why don't we go ahead and hear from the man himself as we welcome in Mac Hollins to the Drive Time Podcast. And I am thrilled to be joined now by Dolphins wide receiver slash gunner slash special teams core component. I mean, I don't know how many jobs this guy has. He is Mac Hollins. Mac, welcome into the Drive Time Podcast. Thank you, Travis. I really appreciate you having me. I saw you at practice today do some form, and I'm going to butcher the name of this, but like a back back handspring or like a misty flip. Uh, Is there a gymnastics background there for you? Oh, no. It's just a a little round off. I'll do do it right after we stretch. It kind of gets me, I don't know, it reminds me to to be a kid, to have fun with with what I'm doing. So I I do a little round off right after uh, stretching to whatever drill we're going into, and then I uh, start the day. That's awesome. So you do it every day then? Yeah, right after stretch. Yeah, I didn't even notice it. Well, that's, I guess, a, a, ba- a bad job on my part there to not notice it. But I did notice it today. And, uh, you know, out there at practice, it was windy and, and not, not the best South Florida weather, but you guys still got after it and, and worked hard. I'm curious to ask you, Mac, because I think a lot of folks, and, and myself included, maybe don't really know how the week goes for a player who plays both an offensive or defensive position, but also has such a significant role on special teams. What does that week look like for you trying to prepare for both elements of the game? Um, I mean, it just, it just adds an element of, you know, being able to manage your time and manage what, what you're studying and what you're looking at. You know, if you look at an offensive or defensive starter, or, you know, main guy, they're going to study the defense or offensive opponent really well. Whereas for me, I have to study special teams really well, but then also, offense defense for any opportunity that I get in in that component of the game so it's a it's a it's just about time management and knowing how to how to make the best decision that's going to make the team and yourself the most successful on game day I have to imagine you learned quite a bit of that from your time back in college and uh, you know I fancy myself an amateur draft guy and I followed Daniel Jeremiah on the NFL network and I, I never forgot when you were coming out of North Carolina he said this guy might be the best gunner slash special teamer in the entire draft so it's something you've kind of always taken pride in, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, special teams is how I even really made it in college because I walked on at North Carolina. Special teams is how I got really to make the team, and then my role developed as a receiver. But, yeah, special teams has always been my uh, my roots. Can, can you tell us more about that with uh, walking on at NC and how you wound up there? I mean, I know it's a bit of a basketball school. You, I've heard you play basketball next door. Did you have hoop dreams? Like, how did you get in that spot? Uh, so I coming out of high school was, was on a visit to North Carolina with my older brother who was applying there and to other schools. He went, ended up going to Stanford. Um, but I was there and went to the football facility and was talking and ended up meeting a guy named Marcus Berry, who suggested going to Fort Union military Academy, which is a prep school coming out of high school. So I ended up going to the prep school, still didn't get an offer from anywhere, but I ended up emailing like a hundred coaches, uh, of schools that I, you know, would like to play at or whatever. And hi, I'm Mac Collins. This is my highlight tape. This and that from high school, this and that from Fort Union. Uh, I just want a chance and ended up getting a whole bunch of people hitting me back for um, just like opportunities to walk on. And then North Carolina was one of them. So walked on, I actually walked on as a defensive back. Cause that's where the spot was. I got into the school and they 
had a spot at defensive back. So I was a defensive back at the start and then transfer, transitioned over to receiver because of a bunch of injuries and guys had seen me play basketball and they knew I was athletic. So they're like, why not just try Mac at receiver? And I guess the rest is history. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you ever talk to uh, Noah Ibnogany about that? Cause he, he started off as a receiver at Auburn and made the switch to cornerback there in college. Do you ever talk to him about that? Um, I, ha- I actually haven't. Um, but you can tell, I mean, Noah's a great athlete, so you can, you know, mo- most guys that can transition and have good hips are usually from the offense side, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Uh, I, that's just me being selfish. <laughs> yeah, I'm offensive. Well, maybe he can come over and join some of the some of the hoop action in the receivers room out in the suburbs now, as, as we're going to call him here on the Drive Time Podcast. I've got Matt Collins here on the Drive Time Podcast. And, and speaking of the suburbs and the receivers room, um, Coach Grizzard on his Tuesday media availability talked about you kind of accepting this leadership role and being a good example for the younger guys on this team. And, and Mac, you're not necessarily a, a grizzled vet at this point. You're still in, in your mid twenties and, and you've, you've been around the block for a few years, but still a pretty young guy, but you came to this team last year and I assume, you know, pretty quickly took on that leadership role. Can you talk about, about how quickly you were able to get yourself in a position where guys started to look up to you here in Miami? Uh, I think I think it's a, a mixture of the situation I came into and the situation I'm coming from. So, you know, when I got here last year, there was a bunch of injuries in the receiver room and a lot of young players. And I was coming from, you know, a team where I had won a Super Bowl and I had been to the playoffs every year. So I had that type of experience. You know, I was privileged enough to have that. So to be able to bring that to the table, guys can guys can usually tell the guys that have you know, experience a lot and usually experience is the best way to lead somebody so that they don't make the same mistakes you do. So, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to try and lead these guys. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the leader of the group by any means, but I try the best I can to, you know, teach the young guys the mistakes that I already made so they don't end up making them. Yeah, that's, I think, an invaluable asset on any any team or any, any you know place of employment in, in any industry. So that's cool to hear. But I want to um, you mentioned you're not the only leader on that group. I'm curious to get your take on on the rest of the kind of the core guys, the, the glue guys in that special teams unit, because there are so many of them, whether it's Clayton Fedgelin, the personal protector, Kayvon Frazier and Kamu Gruja Hill, Andrew Van Ginkle. I mean, I, I know I'm leaving names off, but I'm curious if you guys have this general kind of mindset or is it like a mantra that you guys work together off of that you take a lot of pride in with the special teams or or is it just something you can talk about with that entire group collectively and how they kind of approach the game i think one thing about special teams is that it's it's more of a decision than offensive defense offense and defense you know you can have a good play design and that'll end up being the success whereas in special teams you're either going to decide that you're going to give it your all and go make a play or you're going to decide to take a play off and something bad might happen. Um, so for, for our group, I think we just have a lot of fun and we really enjoy being out there when we're out there. You know, we don't look at it as like, Oh dang, here coming, here comes another special team snap. It's who's, who's going to make the play. We're arguing over who's going to make the tackle and who's going to make the, the touchdown making block and stuff like that. So we just have a lot of fun with it and we enjoy being out there. I want to go ahead and transition back to maybe some more lighthearted stuff here and ask you first, Coach Crossman, during training camp this year, I sit up in media row, so I'm, I'm about as far from the field as you can be, but I can hear him from up there because he can yell, man. <laughs> I, I want to know, what's it like to be on the other end of a, of a Crossman uh, 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 a shouting uh, event there? 
Uh, I mean, you definitely don't want to be the recipient of it <laughs> by any means. Nobody likes that. Uh, but as a, like an older player, it's, you know, you kind of laugh because you've been in the, in the shoes of younger guys or rookies that they're getting yelled at. You've been in those <laughs> shoes before. So it, you kind of laugh on the inside, like he'll, he'll fix it and be a better player because, because of it. Um, obviously you're not going to laugh out loud because it is serious and whatever he's yelling at is for a reason, but you know, you know, that player is going to learn from it. And I promise you, he won't make that same mistake again because of the, the chewing out he just got. That, that's exactly right. And they always say, right, if you're not getting yelled at, then the coaches, if it's better to be yelled at than it is to be ignored because then they actually care about you and think there's something yeah. there. Um, one more question for you about the coaching staff. I want to go back to last year with the Mountaineer shot. I'm sure you've talked about it plenty of times. Uh, just the general vibe of how the special teams was so adaptable to, to making to taking chances and getting big plays out of it. I'm curious for you guys, does that give you more confidence that the coaches are willing to put so much trust in you guys to execute in big moments like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, as, as players, we don't, I mean, it's rare, but you don't find too many players who are analyzing the percentages of getting first downs and on fourth down and stuff like that. And when to use trick plays. So, for us, anytime it's fourth down and five or less, or anytime the game is close and we feel like we can do it, like a player is going to say, let's run a fake. And it, and in this league, it's such a conservative league. It rarely happens. So to be on a team where we're able to run fakes and not just practice them, but actually run them, it's a, it, it gives the players just a, a little bit more confidence to go out there and go really hard on the plays where we're not running fakes so that they set up the fakes later on. Yeah, that, that's uh, you mentioned right there, the analytics aspect of it. I'm sure every player uh, throws those out the window and says, let's go ahead and go for it right here. Two more questions for you, Mac. One, it goes back to a touchdown celebration I recall you having in Philadelphia. Are we ever going to see the floss here in Miami? Uh, we'll see. I, usually I just make up dances. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of spontaneous. That was, that was a spontaneous one, but I, I got all types of moves. The guys are... The guys have seen little glimpses of each of them, but you never know what – it all depends on how I'm feeling that day and <laughs> if I'm lucky enough to get in the end zone. Uh, I, I want to – correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't you wind up on the Jumbotron there at a Sixers game because of that? Oh, yeah. That was uh, – it was like the week after uh, I had scored. I ended up going to a Sixers game and was told by a veteran, hey, go up there and dance when the camera comes over. So <laughs> as a rookie, I did what I was – Told to do. There you go. Smart move. Last question for you here. I mentioned the wind earlier today. I saw that the hair was uh, was looking rather magnificent. How long is that going to go for? Um, I'm not sure. It's kind of just just living its own life. I do need to get a trim. <laughs> I need I need to cut a, a few split ends off. Um, but yeah, I've had fun with it. I let it let it live its life, and now it's cooling down a little bit. It's not as hard to to deal with. It's not as hot, so I can actually manage it um, but it, it, it's been fun to have it because i always had short hair my whole life so this is a a new bonus yeah there you go heading into the uh, i guess cooler months here in south florida as we we press on to the second half of the season dolphins receiver mac collins dolphins special teams ace mac collins i appreciate your time today man it's, it's uh, great to talk to you thank you so much and there he goes, Mac Hollins. What a fun interview that was. Look forward to seeing if we can get some flossing here in the near future in Miami. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with our Wednesday player media availability before we get to the injury report here on this Wednesday podcast and start with Dolphins quarterback 
Tua Tungavailoa, who was first asked about his individual goals this season now that he's got a game under his belt and what might be realistic goals for himself. And of course, Tua brought it back to the Miami Dolphins because team over the individual. Well, I think it's hard to speak individually um, because this is a team sport. You know, we play we play this together. You need all 11 guys on the offense, all 11 guys on the defense, and all 11 guys on special teams. And in order for you to win and accomplish your individual goals, it contributes to everyone. Everyone needs to contribute and do their part. Um, you know, and, and that's what we're hopefully looking to, to improve on as an offense, um, you know, this upcoming week. And this upcoming week features a quarterback that Tua has played against before, actually in Hard Rock Stadium. This Sunday, they'll be at State Farm Stadium there in Glendale, Arizona. But going up against Kyler Murray, another player who wears jersey number one, saw him in college. Here's Tua talking about the Heisman Trophy presentation, being there with Kyler Murray and his family, and what he thinks about the Cardinals quarterback. I'm very excited to go up against him. I would say first impressions when I when I met him, he's you know he's pretty jacked up, you know for for as you know, short as he is, he's, he's, I mean, this guy's rocked up, um, but he, he's very competitive. Um, you know, he's very personable too. I got to meet his parents as well at the Heisman ceremony, very good family. Um, you know, but against going against guys like that who are very competitive and you know, you're going to get their best. Um, I, I think that's going to be a fun one. And with the Cardinals coming up and the Rams game in the rear view, it's all about making corrections and getting things applied for the following week. So Tua was asked, what are some things he looks back on that he thinks he did well and some things he thinks he can work on? I, I, I think there's there's room for improvement every day for me. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting more comfortable in the huddle, talking to the guys, giving the plays out, um, and kind of seeing where everyone needs to go. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is pocket presence. Um, being able to just step up into, you know, what feels like pressure. Um, and then also just, just making the throws that I need to, to um, you know, give the receivers good run after catch. Up next, Tua was asked about the comments from Chan Gailey about how the Dolphins were ahead and had a different game plan because of being so far ahead in that game and the restrictive nature of the game plan for the quarterback and, and really trying to play more of a a conservative approach. Gailey had those comments on Tuesday. Here's Tua Tungavailoa's reaction to Gailey's comments with the game plan. I believe my job is to is to you know do whatever play call we're, we're given. If it's a run 20 times and it's a pass one time, I got to make it work that one time. You know the pass is given, and I got to carry out my fakes those 20 times. Um, but I you know I, I trust, and I think our offense trusts. You know what Chan has planned for us offensively um and we go into the to the week knowing the game plan what we're going to do and you know how we're going to try to attack their defense um but you know we have full trust that whatever chan calls we got to go out there and and you know do good with it and we'll go ahead and finish up with my question for Tua. I asked him, since I previously spoke to him about learning behind Fitzpatrick and getting the mental reps, how important it is for him to have actual NFL tape that he can go back and look at and make improvements and make corrections. Here's Tua on having his first NFL tape to dissect. I think that's that's almost the best way, I would say. That's, that's pretty much the best way, I think, for anyone in the NFL to learn. Uh, you can sit down and anyone can watch film, really. But being able to go in and get some actual game reps, seeing actual rotations of the defenses, and you got to make actual mic points um, and do things like that. I think those things, 
go a long way and sticking in your head and knowing, okay, if this comes up, I know what my answer is. Um, and then just the being comfortable, um, you know, as the games go on, you, you just get a good feel of the game. Um, and then you can also get into a good rhythm. And from the guy in the middle of the offense to one of the guys in the middle of the defense, we next hear from Dolphins linebacker Jerome Baker, who first was asked by yours truly about the challenges an offense will see with taking care of a pass rush that has so many different looks and so many different ways they can come and put pressure on the quarterback. Here's Jerome on the Dolphins pressure packages. In our defense, anybody can come, so you got to prepare like that. And it's, it's, it's hard to really prepare for you know anybody on the field to come, so. Uh, that's pretty much how we do it. Just we kind of make it that anybody can come and throw different looks, and that's how we get a few, you know, open runs to the quarterback. Up next, the Miami linebacker was asked about how he feels about how the Dolphins' statistical rankings are right now in the NFL, being the number one scoring defense in the National Football League. I really don't know all the you know statistics we are part of, whatever, but uh, I can tell you it doesn't feel like whatever it says. Um, I mean, one thing about our defense is, you know, we, we're pretty hungry. So uh, every snap, every rep we have, uh, you know, we're definitely getting on each other. We're holding each other accountable to, to do better. So uh, it doesn't feel like whatever is written on paper. So you just got to keep it up and keep true to ours. Just taking one rep and getting better, you know, as a defense. And we heard Tua talking about Kyler Murray, Cardinals quarterback. How about the guys that have to defend Kyler Murray? Here's Jerome talking about the challenges that that quarterback presents in Arizona. Um, how we prep for him, uh, it's hard. I'll tell you that. It's very hard. Um, he's one of those quarterbacks that's he's young, but he's uh, definitely dynamic. So um, we just got to do a lot of different things um, you know, to make it hard on him. He's throwing different looks. He's just throwing pressure at us, whatever it is. Uh, our coaching staff do a great job just um, doing that and getting us, you know, ready for that. Uh, with guys like that, it's it's hard to stop them. Um, pretty much, just have to contain them. So uh, that's that's our game plan. We just got to contain them and uh, truly play as a defense. Hey Jerome, again, just just curious. Uh, you guys had four takeaways in the game Sunday, but a couple opportunities for more. I'm just curious if there's any like razzing that goes on between you guys and like, for instance, Eric Rowe, who had a chance at maybe a pick six there, or uh, or Van Ginkle, who almost had that pick on the on the ball he batted up. Do you guys give those guys a hard time for that type of thing? Yes, very very hard. Like it's uh, it's it's not just okay just to get the interception or pick up a fumble. Um, well, we pretty much, and this is all players, we hold each other accountable. So that's, uh, you pick up the fumble and uh, we expect you to score. But not just score, we expect everybody to block for you. Uh, when you get the interception, we we just hold each other accountable. And it's not just you have to do it as a defense. We have to uh, work together to score points. So um, that's what's cool about our defense. We hold each other accountable. We, we want each other to get better. And uh, that, that makes it, you know, more enjoyable when the coaches don't have to say anything. And Jerome continued that thought with a follow-up question about Kyle Van Noy getting down to the one-yard line on his fumble recovery, just one yard short of that elusive defensive touchdown. The one thing I say about uh, Kyle, if you look at the video, I was the first one on him. Uh, <laughs> I definitely got on about that. Uh, you know, we watch each other high school highlights as a you know, linebacker court. And, uh, you know, everybody scored touchdowns. Everybody do their thing. So we all brought it up. If you scored all these touchdowns and all this, why you didn't do that? But, no, nah, it's just a fun way just to get on each other and uh, just have fun with it. Uh, but, you know, I definitely got on about that. Uh, in the shorts, yeah, that was uh, 
my boy Isaiah, but it's part of business, but uh, you know, we definitely going to miss him. So there you have it, Tua Tungavailoa, Jerome Baker. We heard from Mac Hollins and Brian Flores on this podcast as well, a very busy one. As for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. I know the Fish Tank just dropped AJ Dewey. I believe the Audible has a podcast in the work for later this week. And of course, my MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.